Yeah, hi everyone. Uh, this is uh, Pradeep Sondarajan. Um, uh, you know, first of all, I hope each one of you, your family, your team, everybody is safe, everybody is healthy. You're, uh, you know, keeping good social distancing. Also, I hope you're keeping good healthy practices um, for yourself and your family members. I hope you are all uh, not, uh, you know, snacking too much and uh, I hope you're all exercising. Um, and that's essentially what I'm also doing uh, with some partial success here and there. So, uh, you know, let's, you know, begin on the you know, topic of leadership and then uh, being calm during the chaos. What a moment we are in. Um, one question that uh, has come to me in the last 15 days from various people, from, uh, you know, from some employees uh, in Mulya, from uh, people outside of Mulya as well, is what's going to happen? Um, if, you, know, you know, how is the economy going to be? Um, and uh, so nobody knows what's going to happen, but they still ask this question, <laughs> right? So that's, that's the chaos. They know that the people to whom they're asking this question don't actually know the answer, but still they would like to hear a perspective. So, uh, you know, collecting way too many perspectives that can, that can add to the chaos as well. So, uh, you know, I want to begin, uh, you know, with a question, um, uh, you know, to all of you. And, you know, before that, I want to talk to you about one of my mentors. Um, you know, his name is Jerry Weinberg. And when I got introduced to Jerry Weinberg in 2007-8, and, um, and in his website, even today, uh, you know, he passed away two years ago, but uh, um, even in his website, you know, today, uh, he said his purpose was, uh, was to make smart people happy. And I asked Jerry Weinberg, why would you want to make smart people happy? Aren't, aren't they happy already because they're smart people? And then, you know, Jerry gave an answer and, you know, Jerry is this kind of person where the answer that he gives is a really deep answer. And I took several years to understand um, why Jerry's uh, purpose was this. So when I tried to learn to test better, when I tried to become smarter, I was slowly losing my happiness. <laughs> Right. So the more and more, you know, the more and more you figure out that, you know, people around you are doing things without understanding certain things. And then that certainly troubles you because you're the person who knows and the people around you don't know. So they're all doing in a direction. They're all going in a direction that's going against what you have learned. And then you become unhappy. So, so then I understood after several years of, First, you know, discovering what, you know, Jerry said, I discovered that smart people uh, can, can be a lot unhappy people. And, and I've wondered this, I've, I've looked at, you know, I've, I've been, you know, fired in organizations um, and uh, I looked at, you know, testers, all, all, all other, you know, testers out there. And then I was wondering like, okay, here's, here's me whom I claim to be passionate and here are they, they just want to come and, you know, you know, do their, what's a nine to five job. And then, and they're completely detached. They're like saints who are completely detached from the outcomes. And they are, they don't care about how good the testing is going, whether it's the right way, it's the right direction and things like that. And they just want to, um, you know, 
So they were so detached. And so for me, I was like, why is my passion creating all this problem for me in life? So, so, so I understood that um, uh, the smartness that we are adding, we are trying to become more and more intelligent people. And that's what is actually causing a lot of, you know, pain for a lot of us um, in the way the, you know, the business are, you know, structured or in the way we have been, you know, taught to work with people. So, um, so that's, that's one thing that I understood. And then um, I want to ask you all this question, right? Um, you can use the chat, you can use the group chat and type, type the answer for this question. What are you paid for? What, what do you think your organization pays you for? You can, I'm just going to pause and just wait for you all to type in your, you know, what's the answers and that's how I continue. So this is not my lecture. This is, there'll be a, this is like an improv based on what you say. So people are thinking, hmm, they don't practice what they expect. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. So Arun says they don't practice what they expect from others. Okay, good. Good. Okay, that's one. Um, maybe, maybe, okay, again, I'm going to have to flag, uh, you know, Shashank for the word maybe there. Maybe regressive thought processes. Okay. Uh, no clear goal and understanding of the team. Okay. Too much focus on process and not on the outcomes running with different set of goals than what is needed for the corporation. Okay. Great Guruji. Uh, but you know, because they turn into managers. Great. Okay. They feel, uh, they feel they got power after becoming leader. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. They're not trained. Absolutely. They're not trained or they don't have a stable thought. Okay. Fantastic. Uh, not understanding team members' emotion, they can't handle pressure, only focused on, you know, delivery. Okay, what else? What else? What are the, what are the reasons why people fail as leaders? Are, are these the only reasons that you can think of? These are good ones, but I'm just saying that, okay, are these the only ones? Okay, delegation. Okay, they fail to delegate sometimes or they over-delegate. Um, you know, that could be, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so, so we have some uh, good, you know, diverse set of answers coming in, right? We have some good, you know, diverse set of answers coming in. And, uh, uh, and so let's begin with what, what actually Arun said. They don't practice what they expect from others. Okay, so I'm going to ask this question to Arun. So Arun, why is it that they don't practice what they expect from others? Why? Why? Why is it that they don't do it? Do you know why? Uh, this why is a bit difficult for me to answer. But, okay. Uh, uh, because if they're expecting something, that should mean if anything has to start, whether that could be the change or that could be the outcome, that has to start from the leader. That's what I, I expect. Yes. Uh, and, and there's a specific reason why I asked the question, why, <laughs> right? So why, yes. why is it that they don't practice what they preach or what, they, what they're expecting from others? Now, it's a difficult question, right, Arun? It's a very difficult question. Definitely, <laughs> definitely, definitely. It's a, it's a difficult question. Exactly. I don't have... I don't have the answer means I'm looking for, but I don't get the answer. 
Okay, great. Well, welcome to this webinar. <laughs> okay, so 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 essentially, uh, I, you know, I'm going to ask you another question here. Okay, right now, why do skilled people fail as leaders? Now you answered. Now you answered this question of why do people fail as leaders. Now I'm just adding a little extra extra element over to it. Why do skilled people fail as leaders? Okay, so we're, we're already getting answers, overconfident, feeling I'm the best, awesome, okay. Great, so, so feeling overconfident, you know, feeling I'm the best, okay, not trusting the team members. Um, and, uh, and what are the other, you know, reasons? Um, fail to do knowledge transition, okay, because they don't focus on the people part of the team. Okay, awesome, focus on improving skills, Good, 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 good. So there's again some good diverse, you know, set of answers actually coming in, right? Okay, no effective communication. So, so essentially, I'm gonna I'm gonna give this, uh, you know, beautiful, uh, um, what's a uh, what's a analogy? Uh, we're all we're all a cricket loving nation, um, and I don't see people outside of India in at least in the webinar, you know, today. Um, so, 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 so essentially. Um, you know, if you look at, uh, you've heard of this uh, word called, you know, sledging, right? So what, what is essentially sledging um, is that uh, there, you know, there's a, the group of people in the team starts um, throwing taunts at, at, at the players uh, who are either batting or bowling. Uh, trying to defocus them, trying to put them in a pressure, you know, situation and all of that stuff. Now, uh, why do they do that? Essentially, is is that they know that, you know, the, they can't beat them over the skills. But if they were to get these skilled people to defocus, right? Okay, get these, you know, people to defocus from the, you know, from the focus that they had, then they know that they can even make a absolute skilled player to get out. And yes, Sachin is the world's best batsman, but was not a great leader. Okay, I will certainly, certainly come to that. That's a very good analogy as well, right? So, so, um, uh, so you know, skilled people, when they are defocused, when they're pressurized, uh, it's become the number one reason of why they fail. Now, now this industry, this industry, and I'm also including myself into it, we have this absolute beautiful, uh, beautiful mistake that we've been committing over years. To The moment we, we find a skilled person, we promote them to be the lead and we screw up uh, the whole team opportunity itself, right? Sometimes, because, because not all uh, you know, skilled people can lead a team. Uh, and and I, I don't think organizations ha have still learned this yet. They've burned their fingers, but they still haven't learned this yet. Uh, and not all people also understand this, right? For example, I'm just going to use whatever, you know, what say Arun actually shared. That's a great example. So Sachin was a, was a great batsman, but when he took over as a captain, he was, he was compromising his batting skills and he was also not able to... Uh, get good success rates in terms of uh, you know the wins. 
Um, and then he said, okay, this is not working out for me. Okay, think about it. If, if somebody like Sachin, whom we consider as the god of cricket, can make a mistake of picking up leadership when he's not ready for it or he's not you know, tuned for it, all of us can do this mistake, right? So, so, so that's essentially um, uh, you know, one of the pointers that we need to look at in terms of the leadership aspect of it. And then it's also about um, you know, uh, you know, the pressure, what's the aspect of it? Now, why do you think people uh, you know, come into a pressure you know, situation? Have you been into a pressure situation in your project and, 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 and have you seen your, your leaders been in a pressure situation? Why do you think the pressure situation comes? So, yeah, I'm looking at the chat window right now and I'm saying that and I'm asking you this question of why do you think uh, the pressure situation comes? Lack of experience, okay. So that's, yeah, could be one of them. Absolutely perfect. Um, so today, when, when I, um, you know, um, when I look at a lead, I think that the first few years of they being a lead is like a rookie experience for them. They're gonna make a lot of mistakes. And, and an organization should have a mechanism, uh, you know, built into, to, to, to help them not make too big mistakes and also help the team be aware that yes, your leader is a fresh, fresher. <laughs> he might be great or she might be great, but they are a fresher right now because this is the first time that they've taken a, taken a leadership role. Okay, the other uh, you know, responses that are coming in is no proper planning. Okay, yes, yes. Lack of growth mindset across the teams, fine. Okay, yes, I've been or you know, seen and been in that, you know, demands from different timelines, from different projects, fantastic. Okay, major gap between strategy and implementation. Welcome to the club. <laughs> it'll, it'll always, it, it will come always important is how one handles it. Yes. You know, so that's the, that's the point that I was actually getting, you know, towards is that uh, the pressure is always going to be there. The pressure is always going to be there one thing or the other. So there's different kinds of pressures that can come in. There can be a budget pressure. There can be a financial pressure. There can be a timeline pressure. There can be, um, you, know, you know, a deliverable pressure. There can be a, a result pressure. And, and, and we humans um, are, are systematically trained to, to uh, become... Uh, emotional to become frustrated to become people who feel that oh i'm under pressure and not about being someone like mahendra singh dhoni where being calm under the most chaotic situation we have seen um you know mahendra singh dhoni uh, recover team india from where we thought you know it's lost i'm sure you would have been a part of you know, this, that you thought the match is gone and then you, you know, switch off the TV and then somebody calls you and says, did you see the match? And you're like, oh my God, I missed it, right? Um, so, so, you know, so, so being calm is such a premium. And why being calm is such a premium is because we just behave the way we've been systematically trained right from our childhood, in our school, in our college, and in the first few years of our work experience is that, 
We're systematically trained to feel the pressure by our so-called leaders or by our so-called teachers, by our so-called whoever, is that, is that we, want, we want people to feel the pressure, right? Even including our own, you know, kids. Sometimes I'm guilty if I'm, you know, when I'm, when I'm talking to my daughter and I'm asking her to feel bad for what she did. And I'm like, oh my God, what am I doing to my own daughter? I didn't want this to happen. I didn't want this to happen, right? So we are kind of systematically being driven as a culture to, to feel, you know, to feel emotional when things are going, not, not going in the direction we want them to go in, right? And, and, and uh, you know, that is where, um, you know, being calm needs to be practiced. Being calm needs to be practiced, yes? Uh, and, and, and why, you know, I started looking at reasons of why can't people be calm? Okay, for example, let's say, um, the, reason why, the reason why people can't be calm is that they think of a number of repercussions that can happen, the, you know, right? Because they can say, oh my God, if I don't do this, then the, the, the appraisal gets affected. If the appraisal gets affected, the hike gets affected. The, if the hike gets affected, my home loan EMI and my marriage plans and all of that get affected. And if that get affected, my pressure from my parents, uh, you know, gets increased and or my, from my, you know, spouse gets increased or from, from my, what's it, in-laws get increased. All sorts of things that comes into the mind with just one small thing that's happening at the workplace. And this is how we have been systematically trained, you know, quite a lot. And so, so essentially, you know, you know, much, much, you know, before somebody answered this of saying the, you know, the primary job of a leader is to solve problems. It's, and, and it's actually everybody's job. And, you know, that's the reason why I think everybody is a leader. And I'll also come to that. Now, if we have to solve problems, the problems that we face at work are at, are actually objective problems, not subjective problems. So if we can if we can remove the subjectivity and look at the objective problem, okay, then it can look very very simple. You know, for instance, if somebody estimated it wrong, <laughs> if somebody estimated it wrong, and you have to meet that you know deadline, well, don't and yet, if you want to achieve the same result that you would have achieved if the estimation had been right, then you know that's where you're screwing yourself. So today, um, you know, if you are a part of a team who doesn't want to grow, then you can't grow. You and and if you want to grow despite the team not wanting to grow, that means you will have to put a lot of pressure on yourself and for others, and then that ruins your life experience itself. So why would you do that to yourself, right? So, so it is absolutely essential for, for us to recognize the source of the problem and be calm about it, saying that, okay, this is not possible, but I can try my best. And I'm not attached to the result, right? Somebody else is attached to the result. Somebody else, you know, screwed up on the estimation, which usually happens 99 out of 98 times, <laughs> right? Somebody always, you know, screws up the estimates. And then uh, you're working, trying to meet that. You're working, trying to meet that. But you must understand of what is realistically possible. And that's where your job primarily as a tester comes in is to warn people of the risks that we are getting into, into a project so that they can make, they can make you know, decisions according to the risks that we are you know, taking. So, 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 so if you go back to all the pointers that you can think about of, of, of 
wherever you felt the pressure or wherever you've seen your you know leaders actually felt the pressure um you can you can look at it objectively and say okay so this is an you know this is the reason why this is happening and and all i can do as a leader is to prevent this from recurring again right but when 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 it's too late you can't do much about it now um uh, then you know the other reason why people um are are you know not able to solve problems is because um they they swallow things um and they take it too personally so so people um it's it's very easy you know like the sledging thing that i mentioned right um and this is it's also very dependent on the organization you know culture and 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 where you are in that you know cultural uh, you know thing is that when when people say hey you could have done better um and if we take that as oh my god i did something wrong then that's the way that we are screwing ourselves and we and i've seen people um you know take a small feedback and feel so bad about so bad about it for like ages for ages right um and 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 i'll can i want to give you this example right so um so have you given feedback to people i'm sure you have right and you tell them 10 good things they did and one bad thing that they did <laughs> in the night they're not going to feel happy about the, oh my goodness my colleague recognized 10 good things about me they're going to feel about oh that one bad thing oh my god this is such a bad thing in my life that's that's how we are wired that's unfortunately how we are wired and that is the rewiring that we need to do in order for us to be able to be calm and peaceful in life that okay if i could do these 10 good things then i can also solve that one thing that i did bad and we have to be very very objective about it and i think and i think essentially what you know what is required is that we practice objectivity before we practice being calm calm being calm is an outcome of a lot of other practices so essentially what we need to do is we need to practice objectivity okay to say um what what you know you know is this about me like for example if somebody says hey pradeep you know there's there's something sticking in your teeth and that's the reason why i've not been able to test <laughs> okay i got to go brush my teeth but but if somebody is saying hey you you missed these three test cases i'm like excellent you help me discover it now i'm not going to miss it and what else can i actually do right so so you know so that's essentially what what uh, you know that's how you practice objectivity that's how you practice objectivity so i think this is the practice that you know people need to do and that's why i metaphorically put it out as swallow but don't digest it <laughs> right and then um you know we were talking about um you know leadership and you know such intentional care and all of that stuff right um so so here is one thing that i've learned making my own you know mistakes uh in you know leadership and i've told this in some of the leadership workshops that i've done uh that the first introduction of what i thought was leadership was actually from movies and i like a lot of a lot of you know like a lot of 129 crore indians i'm just leaving one crore out because they might be the smartest people out there right so 129 crore indians um uh i would i would have uh, 
you know, been, let's say, thinking that uh, heroism is the leadership that we have seen. And what we have seen in heroism is that the person is always in the front. The leader is always in the front. But then when I made those mistakes of always being in the front, I realized that, wow, that was just heroism and that was not leadership. And, you know, today, um, when I work with my colleagues, uh, my role as a leader and even their role as a leader is to know when to go front and when to go back. So, 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 so again, you know, connecting this to Sachin Chandelkar is about, you know, if, you know, Sachin has said that, well, I can do greater if somebody like, you know, you know, Ganguly or, you know, what's it, Dhoni is leading the team and I'm, and I'm playing the role of their opening batsman, the star opening batsman for them. I think this can be a winning, you know, success. And where, and where, you know, again, I'm, I'm going to give you a movie example here. Okay, just a movie example, but it's not, again, about the heroism aspect of it. And if you've seen this movie, Chakpe India, right? Um, you know, Shah Rukh Khan, you know, brings in one of the star players in the last game, you know, to say this is man-to-man -man marking and you are the only person who knows how to break this. That is leadership. That is leadership. To be able to say, look, I didn't, you, you know, you're not suited in these contexts. You're suited in these other contexts. So you should lead here and and you become my leader here and I become your leader here. So one good thing you all can do is, is you could go back to your team and you could say, hey, uh, you know, hey, dear colleague, you are the leader in these, in these aspects. You're the leader in these aspects. I am the leader in you know, these aspects. Let's help each other. So a good successful team has rotating leaders but there is one, of course, there's one, you know, designated leader who takes accountability, who takes reporting to the, you know, to the next layer. But in terms of execution, each, each one of you are actually leaders. So that's, that's a very powerful lesson that I've learned by making a whole lot of mistakes. You know, I, you know thanks to the first few years of, of, of my Mulya experience, I made, I kind of, uh, you know, tried exhausting as many mistakes I could make in my life. And I still don't seem to have exhausted it. So, so essentially, I'd like to, um, you know, I'd like to end this uh, um, um, with this important aspect of it that uh, changing the reaction to failure. Now, leaders are people who constantly deal with failures. Leaders are people who are constantly dealing with failures. Now, now, you know, we all are talking about Mahindra Singh Dhoni and all of that stuff, right? But but it's the same people who who would who would actually you know throw a stone when 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 they when they lost the World Cup and you know we, you know we become super emotional because we don't know how to react to react in order to failure right so essentially uh, you know this is you know this is another um, you know thing that I see that as you know systematically being actually brought up is that we uh, are not taught to embrace failure. We're not taught to embrace failure. We're not taught to look at, you know, failure as a good thing. We're taught to look at failure as a bad thing. And, and I think, you know, that's, that's been the fundamental reason why we have created great uh, workers, but we have not created great leaders. And I'm talking about this as a nation, as a world. Uh, and, and that's been a fundamental problem um, in, in many, many organizations. And you point out at any problems, you, you, 
you know, it always goes back to the leadership failure. You know, uh, uh, you know, for an example, Satyam was an awesome company. A lot of people were doing great over there. But then there's one big leadership, you know, you know, what's a mishap that happened that, you know, costed the whole company. So, so it always goes back to leadership failures. And, uh, and the reason why the Satyam debacle happened or what, why a lot of other companies you know, happened you know, it's because people wanted to pretend success. People wanted to show a certain success that is not true because they don't know how to deal with reality and, and the reality for them is the failure. So if we learn to accept reality, if we learn to change our reaction to reality, I think we will, um, we will put ourselves in a position to be better leaders for for, for both ourselves and for others. Now, thank you very much for the time that you've spent and I would be happy to, so, uh, you know, Guruji is saying, uh, uh, in an increasingly chaotic world, what is needed is the situational leadership. Okay, fantastic. And, uh, you know, talking about, you know, situational leadership, right? Um, you know, here's another beautiful learning that I had about leadership and, and this, you know, situational leadership, yes, uh, I was gifted this book and I, and I was really, really impressed with this book. I hope you've read the books of the one minute manager and, and there is, there is a series of that. And then there's a situational, you know, leadership, what's a book as well. So, so one thing that I've figured out is that, uh, you know, a leader needs to constantly change hats, uh, needs to change hats from being a coach, a facilitator, a mentor, a lead, a manager, a boss, but try to bring the boss as less as possible so that, um, and, and when the boss comes in, so for example, you know, today to the team that reports to me, I have given them a protocol of when Pradeep the boss will come and their job is to not let the Pradeep the boss come out. <laughs> it's like I have multiple, you know, split personality disorder and uh, rather than calling it disorder, I think I should call it order. Okay, split personality order where, where I'm, you know, a coach, uh, you know, a mentor or facilitator, you know, I mostly, you know, what's the oscillate my maximum time of leadership, you know, between being a facilitator and a coach. Um, and uh, very rarely being a manager. Uh, and I, and I for, for, for one, don't know how to do the management part of it. Um, and, and that's where I take help from, uh, you know, other people in the team. You know, for instance, uh, you know, my, my business partner, Avinash, helps in, in the management part of it. Um, okay, and then I also, you know, bring out the boss, you know, sometimes. And then, and then we have also set a protocol between us of, uh, there's a code word between us of when the boss is actually speaking. So people can sense that and, you know, people know that, um, you know, there is a chaos and that's the reason why the boss is actually coming in. Okay, great, awesome. Thank you for that. And uh, how can a leader cascade enthusiasm to his reportees? Um, you know, everyone is different. Of course, everyone is different. And I think uh, you know, a leader should be able to understand that not everybody is going to be as energetic, and be able to use their existing energies in a certain way. Uh, and that's where I think, like you know, like for instance, it's uh, you know, again, I'm going to go to the cricketing example. Um, uh, uh, you know, the cricketing example for this can be that how can everybody, 
you know, score at least, you know, 25 runs. It, it's not possible. The, the, the bowlers who are specialized um, uh, at, you know, bowling are going to stick to bowling and they may not even score four runs. So, so, so somebody else has to compensate for, you know, for the lack of runs that they score. So, so, so kind of understanding what the team is capable of is an important part of leadership. And after having understood, uh, there has to be realistic expectations, you know, set saying that with this team, this is what can be achieved. Now, yes, your leader might be pushing, your boss might be pushing for a higher, you know, what's a target for the same team, but then it can only happen over a period of time. So you'll have to say, yes, we can achieve that, but here is how, you know, the stages in which we can achieve that. Okay, so another question coming from Srinivas Kadiala. Why leaders don't want to listen to the problems and they want the solutions, you know, to be heard? Okay, that's a very, very good question. Um, because leaders want to solve problems. Now, what, what can happen, you know, Srinivas, is that um, sometimes we can get uh, too much caught up in, in talking about the problem. So, so many times, right, uh, you know, people come to me and tell me one lengthy story. I do listen to the whole part of it, but I'm interested at the last sentence that they say. Because usually the last sentence they say contains the problem that they want to solve. They say, okay, Pradeep, so I need this to happen. Fantastic. You know, that's all that needed to, you know, to be told. So, 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 you know, uh, so it is important for us to not keep talking about the problem, work towards a solution, iterate the solution and get towards a better solution because nobody is going to have a perfect solution. Like for instance, when the coronavirus you know, situation hit, who knows what is the right thing to do? Right now, what is being done are, are kind of experiments that are being done. And, and based on how the experiment results are happening is how the next set of you know, strategies have to be planned out. So essentially people, people have to talk about you know, solutions and of course, people have to talk about, you know, problems, but people cannot be talking, people can't be beating around the bush. And this is another thing that we need to practice is where we need to be talking more precise. Uh, okay, both to ourselves and to the people around us. Okay, great. So how can leader deal with situation when he or she is assigned to lead his, his, his ex-peer? Okay, do you mean to say that they were a peer and suddenly you have to lead them? Is that your you know, question? Um, and uh, okay, great. Yeah, so this has happened to me sometimes uh, that uh, the, um, it is very difficult that yesterday we were peers and you know, what's it today? We have to be their you know, lead. Psychologically for them, it takes a while to get adjusted to. Even, even though you say things in a very normal way, you know, uh, one thing that I've understood is that when I'm talking to people, I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to their insecurities. <laughs> this is what I've understood. And because I'm talking to their insecurities, they can, they can feel insecure about anything. They, you know, I can just say hi. And there are people who take, who take offense of, oh, did you see the way he said a hi to me today as compared to every other day? <laughs> it was just a simple plain hi, right? So, so, so one thing that I've understood is this. When I... Uh, work with people, I give them a lot of time to get comfortable with me. I, can, I, give, I give a lot of time. I mean, I know that in most cases, we think we don't have the time. I think we must understand that we do have the time and things can happen over time. 
Okay, now the best conversation to have with that you know person is to say, okay, forget that I'm lead, I'm, you know, I'm whatever. Let's work the same way, and and you have to work the same way with that person um, till that person becomes comfortable. Or even though you might be the designated lead, you say, hey, but I want you to lead me for some time, giving them the comfort factor that you are not a threat, you know, to them. And this is, <laughs> this is, I think it's a it's a, it's a very cultural. You know, thing I've seen outside India, this works really nice and really easy, but here it's a big deal. Uh, that's again, you know, primarily the culture aspect of it. Uh, okay, so how not to get into micromanagement? You get your work done as a leader. Okay, so getting work done by people is uh, is so so so. Um, leading people does not mean getting work done. Leading people is removing blockers for them to do their you know, to do their work so that they get the job done. You don't get the job done. They get the job done. And for, and our job as leaders is to remove the blockers for the team, which is preventing them from succeeding. Okay, this is essentially what we need to do. Great. Uh, so getting the best out of your teammates. And then there are some few pointers from, you know, Guruji. Um, and then uh, there's, there's, uh, what to do when leaders are not approachable. Okay, what to do when leaders are not approachable. Okay, so, so, so unless they say, don't, I don't wanna to talk to you, you always knock that door, <laughs> right? Um, so it's, it's, yeah. So, so um, someone who is not approachable is not a leader. Okay, point number one. Okay, point number two is, if you still have to approach them, then you are the leader, you take the initiative, you approach them and you say, hey, here are things that only you can solve and here are things only you can make a decision on. I can just tell you these things, but I can't move anything on the ground okay, till I have your support. And I will wait for your support. And, and you please tell me what is required to win your support. And then if they are practical in what they are saying, okay, please do it. Okay, because here's another thing, only a good follower can be a good leader. Because if you don't know what following is, then you can't, you can't then be a leader. So, so, you know, I've, I've heard these, you know, things, um, you know, my, one of my cousin is in the army and, uh, uh, you know, they go on a lot of, you know, missions and uh, they have to listen to the lieutenant colonel. Now they can ask any question. The captains and the majors can ask any question before the strategy is made. But once the strategy is finalized, their job is to just execute that you know, thing. Going on the field and thinking about, oh, we should have done that, we should have done this. That usually happens in the IT space. Okay, but in the army, that doesn't happen. Now, yes, okay, people, you know, you know what's say people get hit, people die. But that's for the analysis to happen, you know, later, at least in our IT space, there is no like, you know, physical death or anything like that. The worst case is there's a bug in production and, you know, a couple of emails and, you know, some Slack messages. So, so I think here, you know, people, it is much more easier, you know, for us to say, okay, I'm going to do exactly do what you want me to do. But I want you to also explain to me how this is changing any numbers for this organization. So that's 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 the way I would I would like to deal that, you know. As okay, great, fellas. So um, anything else? Ego blocks growth. Yes, absolutely. While while empathy unlocks 
human stories. Okay, great, great. Ego, so um, great. Um, so, so this is a very, very important uh, and interesting you know, topic. We all talk about ego, right? Um, how much of reading have you done about it? So I'm gonna suggest a book. I'm gonna suggest a book by Ryan Holiday, uh, which is called Ego is the Enemy. Uh, it's, a, it's a very, very nice book. It talks, you would, you would be so much aware of what ego is after having read those 250 pages of, of you know, of, of what ego is and why the ego is the enemy and and how to recognize your ego and and how to deal with others ego and you know you know stuff like that okay so pavitra asks uh, do leaders uh, should have should have assertive conversation always or it should be based on the individuals okay um so so as i mentioned to you um Leaders are people who constantly switch hats, switch hats from coach, switch hats from coach to a facilitator, to a leader, to a manager, to, to a boss. Now, when they're switching hats, for instance, uh, you know, if you've had a fitness trainer, you would have noticed that the fitness trainer, you want to give up, but the fitness trainer says, no, go ahead, three more, two more, one more, right? And why do they do that? It's, it's not that they, you know, they, they sadistically enjoy the pain that you're going through. It's to help you see that you can do way better. But, but that can only happen if you have accepted them as a fitness trainer. It's not like some random people walk in and they say that, you know, two more, you know, three more, and you will certainly not want to do it. So it is important to build that, you know, trust with the people that you're working with. And then you can be the coach and then you can speak aggressive, assertive, and, and people will still uh, not, you know, mistake you for that. And people will see that as a supportive thing because you will, you are, you're essentially coaching them to do better. You're, you're facilitating them to do better. You're leading them to do better. You're managing them to do better. So that's where I, I would say that, um, you know, this, and also, um, there is, there is this, uh, uh, there's this leadership workshop where they teach you how to how to be assertive, how to answer, uh, you know, how to answer during you know tough questions being asked and all of that stuff. There's there's also one from from the uh, you know from the Carnegie Mellon, uh, and 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 there are some uh, you know good options there. Now, um, okay, so recommendation on good leadership books, okay. Um, so there is this book called The Professional by Subroto Bhakti. That's a very, very important book because I think leaders have to be uh, professional, uh, you know, without which, uh, you, know, you know, even results don't actually matter. And apart from that, um, there is this One Minute Manager, okay, that I was talking about. about uh, there's a series of those books that is also very, very good. Um, and uh, usually, you know, this is what I say. Okay, finish these books and then again get back to me and then I will suggest you other books because I can suggest a whole lot of books and if you know people don't read then it doesn't you know really matter. So I can even compile that list and you know put it out. So these are you know some of the books that I've read and so since I've read I know the value of it and that's the reason why I'm recommending you know them. At the same time, um, you know just like you know you know how we learn you know testing from everything that we do uh, you know leadership is also like that. Uh, but essentially, becoming aware of something and practicing it are two different things. So, uh, 
if we read one book and we practice what is there in that one book it, it is it is far more valuable than reading a thousand books in that you know particular you know space so i think the value is in practice the value is in being able to apply and the value is in being able to bring it into the work so with that uh, we have hit the one hour mark of this you know webinar uh, i thank you very much for for the for the time that you've spent um, I'm gonna I'm gonna officially close this, and uh, if you do if you do continue to have any questions, I can certainly answer that. And um, um, you know, once again, uh, you know, thanks for the time. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. Um,